Good morning. It is Thursday. It is officially the busiest time of the year. Gabe DeArmond here, publisher of PowerMizzou.com. Our weekly show, we have spent Thursday afternoons uh, previewing Missouri football for the last six, seven weeks, but we are changing the time this week to start off with a little basketball and we're bringing in Drew King from... I want to say Mountain Grove, Alabama. Does that sound like where you're at? Mountain Brook, Gabe. Mountain Brook. Get, I, I knew it was Get it Mountain together. Brook. Yeah. I I could have just said Birmingham, but I tried to be uh tried yeah. to be cute. That that doesn't normally work. <laughs> but um Drew spent yesterday at Mizzou Men's Basketball Media Day. The women, uh the 14 women's teams taking the the stage sometime uh later today. Mizzou goes about two o'clock. So Drew, it's not quite the spectacle that they make of uh, football media days, but a chance to to kind of hear from everybody. And I don't know, it always sneaks up on me. It seems really weird that it's like three weeks from basketball season. Yeah. I mean, especially because we're pretty deep into football season right now. Right. And so um, I get that it, it can definitely get kind of sidetracked that basketball is coming up and um, a lot of people, you know, tend to not tune in until conference play, but we're about to, we're, we're less than a month away from tip off with, um, you know, the second year of head coach Dennis Gates. And so, um, yeah, the, basketball media day, I think is a pretty good reminder that it's coming up for sure. Well, and, and here's what I found even like, it, it's my job. And I generally like, if Missouri football is not playing well, I, I turn my attention to basketball a little bit sooner. When Missouri is is good at football, like they have been for the last two months, it's like bragging rights before I feel like I know what's going on. But that that's part yeah. of the reason that that when when we kind of reorganized stuff uh, last year, I wanted to have somebody that covered football and somebody that's exclusively focused on basketball, so we can give them both attention. Um, it allows me to not really pay attention until probably November 10th. Um, but I know you put in a, uh, a good amount of research on uh, everybody in the SEC and all the transfers and everything to, to be part of the preseason poll. They announced the media poll, I think on Tuesday and Missouri mm -hmm. was, was picked ninth, which doesn't surprise me. I, I said last week, I think they'd be picked between eighth and 10th. And, and that's right where they were. I think you had them sixth. Um, and, mm -hmm. and I think that's probably uh, having had an, a front row seat to what Dennis Gates did last year. He gets a little bit of the benefit of the doubt in that vote. Definitely. And then on top of that, too, we've gotten to see a couple or I've gotten to see a couple of practices of theirs. Right. And so um, I, I've. I have a little bit more firsthand knowledge on the newcomers that are coming in and how they fit into the system. And so um, I am a little bit higher on Mizzou than consensus. Um, but yeah, I, I think that Mizzou's going to be kind of right there in the middle of the pack of the SEC. Um, mm -hmm. But I also don't think a finish in the top of the conference, top half of the conference, um, is going to be out of the question for them, even without, you know, Kobe Brown and Des Moines Hodge. Uh, and I do want to let you guys know, first of all, comments, questions, all that. Appreciate those of you who are joining us live here. Put those in. We'll, we'll put them up on the screen and get to them. Uh, we're going to have Gerard Hamilton here in about 15 minutes. We're going to talk a little uh, Mizzou, South Carolina football as well. Um, the most important thing, I think uh, Jared points out, it's nicer than the business center in Sacramento. We can 
like I don't want to promise, but I think it's probably safe to say no one is going to microwave dinner in the background of this show. Hopefully not. That would be <laughs> got major a issues scary. if it happens. <laughs> um, the fire alarm was going off this morning, so we, you know, there could be another distraction, but I think right. we're safe for now. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll try to get this uh, get this done in fifteen minutes. Um, we'll we'll talk a little more Mizzou stuff here in a minute, but just kind of conference wide. First off. I think it was I think the general consensus is A&M and Tennessee are kind of preseason a cut above everybody else. I know Tennessee was picked by the league media to win. I I know you picked uh, A&M, I, a lot of other people have picked A&M, but like fair to say those seem to be the top two teams going in. I I think at the very least they're the safest two to finish pretty high, right? Um, both teams bring back eight players. They both lost just one starter. Um, Tennessee still has Santiago Vescovi and Josiah hey, Jordan James around. 19th COVID year in uh, not. Yeah. <laughs> He's got to be 28 years old at this point. Um, and then like Texas A&M, um, like I said, they bring back four starters. And I also think they have probably the best point guard in the league in Wade Taylor, the fourth. Um, and so, yeah, I think that those two teams, you kind of know what they are going to be. They don't have that many newcomers. And so I think that they're a pretty safe bet to finish high in the conference. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think those two consensus wide, those are going to be the top two teams. I think Kentucky is the biggest wild card. I mean, they have a ton of young guys. They're going back to what Cal did a few years ago. Um, but they're all really talented young guys, so it'll be interesting to see what they are. Maybe a Kentucky team that is different in February than it is in November. Um, I will I will go first on this question because I'm going to make people mad. But if there's a team that you think is maybe a little bit better than people are going to think, I think it's Arkansas. I just – they get Trevon Brazil back. I know that that won't make anybody here any happier. Um but Eric Musselman has kind of proven to me he's got things going pretty well. I, I think last year was a little weird. They went all in on Nick Smith, and he it didn't really work during the regular season, but came together at the end. I think Arkansas is a team that can threaten to win this league. Is there a team that, that you look at and say maybe is, is better than people are going to think it is early? Outside of Missouri, so, which I think we both think. Right. Um, uh, so I'll, it's not necessarily a team that I think – can you know get a, a first round buy or, or the second round buy in the conference finish top four but it's a team that i think people are, are really sleeping on and that's vanderbilt um okay. you know tyron lawrence last year his last 15 games was averaging like 16 5 and 4 um and shooting 60 percent on two pointers even though he's a guard and 45 something percent on threes um, and that's against sec competition that's without Liam Robbins for the last couple of games of the season. Um, I, I think that that guy is just a killer. Um, and so if he can kind of maintain that level of play, um, it's it's a real go-to guy for Vanderbilt, which I'm not sure that they've always had. Um, on top of that, they get their starting point guard back, Ezra Man John. Um, they were really good when um, he was their starter. I think they were 17 and 8 last season when that happened. Um, they also have a, a sophomore who – um, Stackhouse is pretty high on and Colin Smith, he's going to take over that perimeter spot. So um, I, I really like the returners for them. Um, the question is like, how good are the transfers? Um, they've got a guy from Notre Dame 
Van Allen Lubin, who was pretty highly ranked coming out of high school, but this didn't necessarily make that big of an impact as a freshman. Um, and then, you know, I think they've got like a guy from South Dakota who's six foot eight, something like that. So um, banking on those guys to hold down the front court, I think is going to be big for Vanderbilt. But I would be surprised if they finished bottom four like they were voted in the poll this year. I think kind of the consensus here is Georgia, South Carolina, LSU are kind of in that bottom tier. Is that is that fair? Just kind of seeing how other people have, have voted and things. Yeah, I think that's that's probably right. Um, and and with, uh, I wrote this in the column too. LSU and um, who. who uh, not Georgia, South Carolina. Uh, Ole Miss, Ole Miss, Ole there Miss. we go. LSU and Ole Miss, they're both kind of counting on these second time transfers to get waivers um, that have not been ruled on yet, right? So Ole Miss has Musa Cisse and Brandon Murray. Um, Cisse is going to be really, really good defensively yeah. for them if he gets cleared. But if not, like you have Jamarian Sharp and that might be your only big on the roster. Um, and then with LSU, they've got Jalen Cook, amazing point guard from Tulane um, and is it could make them really good you know average 20 points a game this year but if he's not eligible to play you're counting on a three-star freshman as your starting point guard so um, mm-hmm. those two teams could definitely make a jump up if those guys get cleared um, but if not it might be tough sledding for them all right. Uh, I look at Ole Miss. I look at Chris Beard the same way I do at Dennis Gates. He's never been a head coach and not been better than people expected. So I, I put a lot of faith in that. Um, you know, whether he should be coaching or not, he is. And I think it'll be good for Ole Miss. Uh, we've got Gerard Hamilton. We're going to make him sit in the green room for a few minutes while we hit some people's uh, Mizzou basketball questions. We'll get to those. Keep Drew about 10 minutes um, on this. But before we do that, just like this is way too early, but it's what everybody wants to know. Do you look at the SEC more as like in that five to six bid range come March, or is this like a, a league that we could be talking about seven or eight teams? I think it's the latter, to be honest with you. Um, you look at last year, I think they got eight or, or nine teams in the tournament. Um, and I think pretty consistently um, based on, you know, kind of the coaching hires from last year and, and how seriously schools are starting to take the basketball side of things, you're at least going to see, I think the top seven make the tournament every single year. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I think that the SEC, that, that was one of the things that Bruce Pearl talked a lot about today was like, yeah, he's really proud of how far the conference has come um, as, a, you know, basketball school wise. So yeah, I, I think that the SEC is probably in a good spot in terms of. I know NCAA earlier tournament. this week, uh, earlier this or. Like last week, Kirby Smart said every SEC football team should be ranked in the top 25. I expect the basketball coaches to start saying they should all 14 make the tournament. I mean, Dennis Gates wants 334 teams in the NCAA tournament. So <laughs> we know he thinks they should all get in. Uh, we'll hit we'll hit the, the Mizzou questions here and, and kind of try to do rapid fire and then get Drew out the door. He's got some work to do in, uh, in Alabama this afternoon. Ross asked the question that we're going to get the most often, and I don't like I don't want this to come off as mean to you, Ross. I think it's the question that means the least. I mean, like I, Dennis Gates is going to have a bunch of different starting lineups. He showed that last mm-hmm. year. I don't know that it matters who the starting five is. So rather than the starting five, like who do you see mid season? Like, okay, crunch time of a game. 
we got to win a game. Who's my five guys on the floor? Yeah. So we'll start with the returners, right? Nick Honor, America's point guard, as Blake Lavelle called him. Um, <laughs> he's he's going to be your calming presence he's the he's the leader right he's going to set everything up um Noah Carter you know stepped up down the stretch of last season I think he's going to be important um I think that Connor Van Vanover has to be one of those guys the size that he brings um the rim protection the rebounding at seven foot five um I, I think that he is going to be kind of a stabilizer for everybody on that end which they were not very stable at last year. Um, and so those last two spots, um, it could be like any combination of guys. We've got Caleb Grill, Tamar Bates, John Tanjay, Sean East, Kurt Lewis. Dennis Gates keeps talking up Caleb Brown. I'll be surprised Trent about Pierce. Trent Pierce. Yes. Um, so yeah, it, it'll mainly, it'll probably come down to like who has the hot hand that day, right? Just like mm -hmm. last year, you know, they would either go to Kobe or they would go to Des Moines, or if those two weren't have a good night, they'd go to DeAndre Golston. So um, based on the last practice I saw, Caleb Grill had a pretty hot hand. So I would not be surprised if that's one of the guys that takes a spot. And I think it'll be a matchup thing too. Some nights it might be Pierce. Some nights they might go with like East and Bates and Honor at the same time, mm -hmm. you know, and go smaller. It just depends. Um, you mentioned Caleb Brown a little bit. Have you seen any of the improvement Dennis has mentioned? Look, I, I've got to trust Dennis that what he says, that that he thinks Caleb's going to be in the eight-man rotation. I, I mean, I don't know why he would just make it up, but I've got to see it to believe it, man. I, I just, if so he's he's done he's probably made bigger improvements with Caleb's game if he gets to that point than he even made with Kobe's game last year yeah and uh, Dennis got asked about this a ton yesterday and I'll have a story on it coming out at some point um but one of the things that he told me was it, it's it's obviously like still a long way to go for Caleb right we're not at the season yet and the biggest thing for him is he has to stay consistent and that I think is something that we have not seen from Caleb so far. Mm -hmm. So I think that'll be kind of the big tell is, you know, if they, if Caleb can stay showing what he has on the court in practice and do that in actual games, um, then yeah, I think that Caleb will end up being a part of the rotation. And and he'll play. I mean, Dennis is going to play everybody and give him a shot, but I just, Again, to see him, we just mentioned nine guys that could be in the top five. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, to get in that group, uh, I, it's a stretch. Uh, Joe says Kobe and Hodge were the guys last year. Who do you see stepping into that role? I, I'm not sure it is one or two guys. Mm -hmm. You yeah, know, I mean, um, Noah Carter, like, has the kind of the game, and you'd say he could take over the Kobe role, but – I, I don't know if Noah Carter is a guy that you're consist a first team all SEC guy that you're consistently going to saying go win us a big game. Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest question with this team is because nobody has been the number one option for their team before. And so I think that's probably gonna be the biggest challenge is finding out who can be our go-to guy. And Gates has said, it's going to be a committee approach. Um, kind of, if you remember the start of last season, Gabe, like they had six different guys as their leading scorers in their first nine games or something like that. 
because um, you remember like Isaiah Mosley had a 20 point game. Noah Carter had a couple of big games. Um, Shot in East had a couple of big games. So I think that um, it's it's going to take some time to kind of figure out who the guys are going to be in quotes when I say the guys. Um, right. Yeah. And, and yeah, it might be different guys, different games. Um, couple couple more here for Drew, and then we'll we'll move on to football. Fair to say if Mizzou beats Memphis early in the year, they're a lock for the – no, it's not fair to call anybody a lock for the tourney on November 10th. It's just – you can't do it. No. I, I mean, yeah, second game of the year, it's a little early to say anybody's a lock for sure. Um, Scott wants to know hoops team seems bigger. Yes, they do. Having a seven mm-hmm. foot five guy will do that. But also, I mean, look, Pierce is six nine, Aiden Shaw's back. They they clearly went out and said at, despite Dennis telling us all last year, we don't need a rebound. You guys keep talking about rebound. They clearly went out in the offseason and needed to improve rebound. And not to mention Jordan Butler, seven footer. Yeah. Um yeah. and they've still got Mavor Majak for you know, the five minutes they need him against Tolu Smith against Mississippi there State. There you go. So, yeah, a lot more size. So, so last one here. What's your opinion on this team? Been a big discussion on the board about whether this is a step forward. I mean, what do you – I guess what's successful for this program this year? I think that making it back to the NCAA tournament is still successful, even if it's not – um, you know, being in the top four of the SEC and getting that double buy in the tournament. Um, I think if you can still get one of those at-large bids, finish in the top half of the league, um, I, I think that's still a successful year. You're, you know, kind of establishing that, you know, we're a postseason team every single season under Dennis Gates. I agree. Just get there. Um, that's and whatever happens from there happens from there. But I think that's the goal this year. Um, all right, we're we're gonna let Drew go in a minute. Want to bring Gerard onto the show while Drew's still here, in case you guys have any trash talk or anything. You just want to say hi. Anything, anything you want to do? Uh, Drew, Drew's my guy. Drew's my guy. Shout out to him on that column. I loved it. As soon as I saw the the, the title, I was thinking, damn, I should have thought of something, something cool <laughs> like that, man. So. Now, shout out to my guy, Drew. You did put that picture you smoking, whatever that was, because you beat me in fantasy. Just remember in real life, I beat you 11 what, to 2 in real hoops. Remember what, that. Whatever, whatever it was, it is legal in Missouri. I think it was a cigar, but I don't know. It, yeah. it was a cigar, and it was also an old picture. It's from like three years ago during the pandemic, but I like to send it every time I get a fantasy win. Um, <laughs> I, I think people, people should know Gerard tried to trade me the Cardinals – third string running back that week for Rishi Rice, Rashi Rice. Um, yeah. And I, <laughs> so turn, that, that, that's Gerard. one of the ones the league commissioner turns down and says, no, you can't. <laughs> uh, nah, so I, I'm not going to lie. You got to, you got to peep game to see if, if they up on what they should know. So it, it, it's cool, Drew. You, you passed the test. There was a test. I was helping you for the future. Oh, I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, Drew. Um, appreciate it, man. Uh, I know you'll have some stuff from the women's team and, and plenty of stuff from the, the men. Um, you're traveling back tomorrow. So enjoy uh, lovely Mountain Grove, Alabama. Did I get it right? Mountain that Brook. God, Mountain why Brook. Why do I keep calling Dave. it Mountain Grove? It's, I'm going to call it Mountain Grove. That's what it's so enjoy. <laughs> All right. We'll see you, man. All right, we're bringing, uh, bringing Gerard in. Uh, before we get to this weekend, and again, football questions, any, anything you want to um, ask, throw them in the, in the comment section. We'll get to them. 
Uh, it is now official, Gerard, next Wednesday. Five-star receiver Ryan Wingo making his announcement. Um, the graphic was just tweeted out about that. I don't really think there's a whole lot of suspense about this one at this point. He's going to be in Columbia on Saturday, and I think we feel pretty good he's going to be in Columbia on Saturday's next fall. Oh, man, that's big time. This receiving this this receiving room is it's going to be loaded. It's going to be loaded. They still got some talented guys. They're still they're trying to still work in like a Joshua Manning. That's someone Drink mentioned on Tiger Talk. Is someone who's uh, already played more than the the four games. Um, so they want to, and that's because of his special teams play. They want to get him involved in the offense that they've already kind of burned the opportunity for, uh, for the red shirt. Um, but yeah, they've got some guys, they got guys next year, like James Madison, um, from, I don't know how to, St. Thomas, it's the last Thomas word. Aquinas. Yeah. Aquinas. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they got him coming in lengthy, tall, very gifted athlete. Then you had someone like Ryan Wingo. I mean, with Luther Burden, uh, with Theo East has another year, right? Theo Weiss has another year if he wants to use it. Um, I did ask a friend of mine that that covers the draft and stuff, and he's asked around a little bit about Theo. He said that the current temperature on Theo is he should probably take that that extra year in college, but we'll see where it goes at the end of the season. All right, but but yeah, that I mean that's just a loaded room, and um, it kind of reminds me of how we were talking about McCall Hartman going back to the, or not McCall Hartman, uh, Frank Clark going back to the Chiefs, and I'm just my mindset is depth. You can never have too much depth, basically. And so for that wide receiver room to keep getting loaded, and even if some guys have to wait a little bit, I mean, it'll be well worth it knowing you've got that talent on hand. Yeah, and so again, Wingo announcing Wednesday. Um, we are planning to go over and, and stream that announcement live when we get a little bit more details about it, how everything's going to work. We'll, we'll let you guys know, obviously, early next week. Um, and then the, the focus turns to what that means for CBC receiver Jeremiah McClellan, who – uh, I've reported for a long time, like the feeling has been if Missouri gets Wingo, it helps him with McClellan. He's visiting Columbus this weekend. He's an Ohio State commit. He's going to be up there for the Ohio State-Penn State game. We'll see where it goes after that. Um, you know, I, I think something could happen, but uh, we'll keep our eye on it. How soon it happens, who knows? Uh, so let's turn our attention to uh, – okay, Ger Gerard, you're getting a shoe question, so I'll just let you – Answer the shoe question before we get to football, because this is out of my depth. Okay, yeah. So, uh, Jared, thanks. Uh, Super Chat says, Gerard, this has been on my mind since four down territory. Did you crease the fours running downstairs, and which fours were they? Um, I don't have too many Jordans. I think I have, like, two or three. These were uh, the Oreo, like, gray Oreo or something like that. I'm not great on the names, but it wasn't going down the stairs that was the problem. It was once I got down the stairs and you kind of got to run down the concourse. I was doing that. And then when I had to go back upstairs, did it again. Then I had to do it again to go back. So that was probably where the creasing was starting. Um, it's making me think a lot about my shoe and suit choices because I didn't expect to have to run like that. So, uh, But they, they weren't too badly creased, but, yeah, just a little bit. I'm going to sound real old here for a minute. Like you understand when you buy shoes, the point is to wear them and they're gonna they're gonna, oh, uh, gonna be some wear on them, you know right? Guys, Gabe is much younger than than he he acts sometimes, but right there, Gabe, showing <laughs> your age. See, you can make shoes last long if you just take care of them. And I try. Um, I don't even really wear those shoes out 
for myself. And so, yeah, yeah, you don't you don't want to crease certain shoes like that. So, so you bought these shoes. I'm going to assume you didn't get them for like 15 bucks. I'm going to assume they cost you a little bit of money. Cost a little change. And the point is to not wear them. No, no, no. It's well, it's not that. I mean, you see me when I go to practice in the games, I have shoes where I'm just like their work shoes. Out. I just, just want to save them for when I'm going to be in the field or when I'm outside. Um, I got these shoes a couple years ago. I want to make them last. I don't want to spend all this money on the shoes. And then after a year, they, they look like I, I just beat them up and they got holes. And so I want them to last. So I can't have them last if I'm creasing them and running through puddles of rain in Kentucky and all this other crap. Well, I want to be clear. I've got like six pairs of shoes that I wear, and it's the most pairs of shoes I've ever owned that I actually wear in my life. So I, I just uh, to be honest, it. Gabe, your rotation is deeper than mine. I really only wear two pairs of shoes. Okay. So when I wear those ones and they get messed up, it's just like ah. Okay. Okay. So uh, now that we've got everybody caught up on the on the the shoe games, uh, game on Saturday. Look, I. I can't help but think, and and I want to be clear, like what the fans think about the game, like doesn't matter. They, they, none of us play the game. But like, I'm just kind of getting the feeling that Missouri fans are already counting this team as seven and one with a bye week going to Georgia. And I just think it's a little bit like, I think Missouri should win, but I don't think the fan base is paying quite enough attention to South Carolina, because I don't think South Carolina is awful. They could come in and win this game. Yeah, to be honest, I felt more comfortable about uh, last week's game in my prediction of them winning by, I think I had them winning by 13 points. Um, I felt a little bit more confident about that one than this one, just because, I mean, Missouri is in the same position last year. I think they were three right. and four heading into this yep. game. Um, and, and South Carolina had just beaten, I think it was like A&M and Ole Miss or somebody. Something like that. They just became the 25th ranked team. Um, and this is homecoming. This will be the second game in a row. South Carolina is playing a homecoming. Obviously, they lost their own last week. Um, they they want to get the their receipt back for last year's loss to Missouri. It's kind of setting up to be the same situation Missouri was in. Like, you know, you go on the road, you can kind of get your season back on the tracks. So there's that. But I'm doing the I'm, you know, right before I came on here, I was doing the uh the what's it, the preview. Preview. And every time I'm re every time I keep doing the preview, the more homework I'm doing, I'm just like, eh, it's not looking up so good, but and again, that's why they play. They play the game. Not, not looking summer. so good for South Carolina. South Carolina, as just far as some of the the metrics, metrics and stats. And I know Drink was like, we don't pay attention to stats, and I'm just like, that's coach talk because stats show trends, and you know they, they don't pay attention to stats until a guy has a good game. Then they'll come in and tell us. How oh yeah, yeah. I was literally yeah. thinking that they don't. I understand you're not trying to give nobody any more bulletin board material than they already have, but South yeah. Carolina doesn't look that great on paper, but. And yeah, I want to be clear. Richard Barber says, I'm telling you to have hope. And now I'm telling you to be worried. I, I mean, all I'm telling you is it's sports, guys. Like, this is not South Dakota, right? This is a power five football team that has actually a pretty good quarterback that on the right, like Missouri will have to be a little bit off its game. If Missouri comes in and plays as well as it can. Missouri's going to win this game because Missouri's a better team than South Carolina. They play 10 times. I think Missouri beats them seven, probably. But they don't play 10 times. They play once. And if yeah. they have a bad day, if Missouri comes in 
I, all I'm saying is from what I've seen from the fan base, I don't think fans are thinking that there's any possibility that South Carolina comes in and wins this game. And I think it's Eli Drinkwitz's job this week to get his team to understand, look, you are not good enough to roll your helmets out and take anybody in this conference lightly. And I'm not saying Missouri's going to do that. I'm just saying it's what Drink has to has to guard against this week. Yeah. Um, I, I think I said this in the three things, too, that may determine the game is South Carolina is similar identity identity wise to LSU as far as they want to pass the ball. Um, they want to make this a high scoring game. That's how they'll win. Their defense isn't particularly great. Um, LSU's pass defense wasn't particularly great. Actually, South Carolina's pass defense is the worst in the country. Um, but you've seen LSU, they were able to make some plays. Obviously, they got those two interceptions. So just because stats do say one thing, that doesn't mean, you know, something can't happen. South Carolina actually has a pretty solid run defense. So if they can kind of lock up the run, um, they can lock up the run and then have a couple plays in the secondary. Now you're talking about a different game. Um, I guess this is a Hefe because I have some response. I think Hefe Casey, yeah. uh, he says South Carolina defense can't tackle Right before I got on here, I was looking at their PFF grades. Obviously, those do not mean everything. I know that. But it said they're 32nd in tackling in the country. So they can tackle, but they're not good at tackles for loss. When they get to the backfield, they kind of have the same problem that uh, Missouri has as far as just not finishing the play. Um, that will be a big thing this week. You're talking about South Carolina's run defense. What are the chances it's decent because nobody tries to run the ball against them? I mean, I can see this that, that being – that's I can true. see this being like the LSU game where like midway through the second quarter, Missouri had thrown like 21 times and run like six. I can see it being a game where Drink and Kirby Moore just say, let Brady Cook go, let him fling it all over the field. Like they've they've thrown the ball a lot more than they've run it the last four weeks anyway. And given mm-hmm. a matchup like this, I could see them coming out and saying, let Luther and Theo and Mookie just go win this game for they should. I mean, when again a team is ranked that low, I think they're giving up over 300 yards. Uh, it's probably more than I can't think of the exact number, but it's definitely over 300 yards passing. You definitely want to say let's do this, but you've seen again Kentucky uh, didn't have the greatest pass defense at also, but that taking away Luther and taking away those deep plays that may be something South Carolina may want to look at as a way to kind of limit that and force Missouri to run. And as we've seen the last four or five games. You can kind of limit this running game, especially with Cody Schrader not being 100%. Um, you can limit that. And then once you start making it one-dimensional and you kind of dictate what Missouri does, that puts South Carolina in a good spot to kind of maybe get this game to go their way. Yeah, South Carolina has given up 321 yards passing per game. Um, they have allowed, uh, I think it's 182 completions is the number. Uh but, but bottom line, they've allowed the tenth, the thirteenth most completions in college football. So they don't defend the pass particularly well. But you know what the worst part of South Carolina's run uh, uh, team is? I think is their run game on offense. I mean, they are dreadful. They're 123rd in rushing yards a game, 124th in rushing yards per carry. The only weird stat is they actually have scored ten rushing touchdowns. So they must have had a bunch of like one and two yard touchdown runs. Um. Yes, part of that is um, they're average with 97.8 rushing yards per game. So part of that is sacks. That's something that, you know, like oh, sacks play uh, play a part in that in South Carolina. And they've given up a couple of those. Yeah. Yeah. 
there's there 100 and so many like they're 100 plus and so many stats i'm kind of getting the mixed up but they're like 117th or 120th or something in sacks allowed with 4.17 so um and i'm pretty sure when you have a passing quarterback especially one with an arm like spencer rattler sometimes they tend to take deep dropbacks and that kind of is what yeah. goes into that total um, but even if you take that out, their running game still isn't that great. Mario Anderson is kind of a story like Cody Schrader, D2 guy who's starting, leading the team in rushing. Um, he's not it, – it's kind of like Cody he's, – he's solid. His last three games, have he's been much better. His first three games were just like, man, but he's only averaging like 55 yards per game. And if Spencer Rattler's the second leading rusher, yeah. they shouldn't have too much trouble uh, containing him. He's no Jaden Daniels. I'll, I'll right. say that. right. And, and, I mean, you mentioned those sack numbers. It takes mm. a long time to make up for giving up nine in your first game of the season, which they yeah. did against uh, North Carolina. I mean, even if they hadn't given up another sack all year, they're still giving up more than one per game. Uh, Kyle's asking, uh, Rattler seems to to kind of lack weapons besides Xavier Leggett. He's a very good receiver. Do you expect Chris Abrams' strain to shadow him? I honestly haven't known. I, I just haven't looked. Or I, it, do they – kind of let kad travel with the number one guy or do you does it look like they have more kind of hey this is your side of the field and that's his side of the field well i always feel like he from like let's look at the press box view he's always on the opposite side from where we're seeing like i've seen ennis move okay. i've seen ennis move around a little bit and, and if ennis is there i don't think they need to do any of that to be honest if he can play um but maybe kad does i'm not saying he doesn't but i feel like every time i think about him he's always on the opposite side of us yeah okay okay uh greg shackelford says can't get down 14 nothing again at home mizzou must get off to a good start on one hand yeah obviously you don't want to give an underdog confidence on the other hand i don't know they got down 14 nothing one by 21 last week i i don't know that this is a team that panics if they get behind necessarily that is true but to greg's point being down 14 points to a kentucky team that's really run heavy versus being down 14 points to a passing team who can kind of put those points on you quickly if you let them, if you kind of don't get that momentum, is a little bit different just because that's going to force you to have to take more chances, uh, both defensively and offensively. So it's a little bit different. But, yeah, they shouldn't they shouldn't really worry too much about being down 14-0. Andrew suggests getting down 21 nothing and seeing how that goes. It just, just see how – like for a minute I thought maybe Missouri was going, I don't know, how much can we spot them and still come back? That's what Saturday in Lexington looked like to me for a minute. Um, I advise to not do anything. Like <laughs> um, uh, Jason's asking about the injury report. So we don't get it till tonight. We know that Chad Bailey is out for this game. Uh, Chuck Hicks will replace him. I'll be honest. I don't think that's that big a deal. I think Hicks in the first three games is, was ever been as good as Bailey's been for the last three. Do you disagree? I think, um, uh, Chuck, was definitely serviceable. I think Chad has played a little bit better than others have thought he's played. The linebacking group as a whole, though, is down compared to last year. I will. All say right. That. So let me let me ask you about that real quick, because Drinkwood said on Tuesday he feels like Tyron Hopper has been actually maybe more effective than he was last year. Now, is that a coach just trying to build a guy up? Is he saying something he doesn't believe, or is there something I'm not seeing? Because Tyron Hopper has more than twice as many missed tackles as anybody on this team. And he's, I think he's missed 26% of his tackle opportunities, according to PFF. Again, I'm not, I'm not going to promise those are exactly right, but missed tackles are pretty easy to spot. I'm not saying Hopper's bad, 
but I don't think he's been as good as he was last year. I think it's a mix of, you know, all things you said. I, I don't think he's played as well as he played last year. Somebody asked us, I want to say after the game, or maybe it was on Monday's uh, pod of like, he's losing himself money. Um, I don't know if he's losing himself that much money for real, but it's not, he's not playing to, to the, He's not playing to the same ability or level as last year. Um, I feel like it's just hit and miss this year. With like some games, there's been a couple games where he can absolutely be a game record, the best player in the field. But I remember talking to you during the Kentucky game. We're just like, yo, he looks like the worst one on the field with as many missed tackles. I will say this. If you're missing a lot of tackles, that usually means you're in the right spot a lot of time. Yeah. So if you can just – and that's something he can clean up. If this has been an issue for about a year or so with this team, if he can clean that up, then we're not really having the same conversation. So, And and I think the other thing about what Drink said, because he said last year, you know, we blitzed a lot more. So I think maybe last year Hopper made a lot more plays that, like, if you're just watching all 22 guys on the field, you notice that one guy. Like, he made more flash plays. That's but true. maybe this year what Drink's saying is he's playing more within the framework of the defense, and he may not be making a ton of splash plays, but, like, what he's doing is allowing some other guys to make plays. Yeah, uh, that's probably, you know, akin to the, the the plays that don't show up in the box score. You know, right. when you're blitzing, um, obviously you got to know which gaps to run through or, where you know, where you're supposed to attack, but that's not as difficult, I would think, than being in coverage more or, you know, whatever other responsibilities they're having him do outside of that. So I get what he's saying from from that perspective. Yeah, and it could be kind of analogous to, okay, Luther Burden only has three touches for 21 yards last week, but how much of Theo Weiss's night is because Kentucky's paying so much attention to Luther Burden? So maybe Hopper's not putting up the stats, but the coaches, when they're watching film, are seeing stuff that you and me sitting in the press box don't don't see. Right. Um, So, all right, let's, let's just kind of finish up with this. If if this is you know the 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 bad news, if this doesn't go Missouri's way, if they lose this game, why did it happen? Like like what has to what does South Carolina have to do to to come in here and and pull an upset that I don't think either one of us expects them to pull? Uh, well, hold on. Let me go back to the to the injury profession because it's just still on my mind. Schrader questionable. Oh, right. Rakestraw questionable. Um, I've been for Rakestraw was based off his practices. Drink seemed happy with his practice on Tuesday. He'll probably play unless game time decision. He just does what he does versus Memphis. Yeah, I I I wouldn't play Rakestraw. Schrader, I'd still play Schrader. I wouldn't give him the same amount of touches. He doesn't deserve, He doesn't need twenty touches, but. Um, those are really the only three people we expect. They're, you know they're going to put like 12 guys on there. I, well, there's only three that. Brady, Brady Cook's going to be on there every week going forward, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, just worry about those three. Okay, back to your question as far as you said what goes wrong if, for Missouri. Yeah, if if Missouri loses this game, why do you? what would lead to that? What did, what did South Carolina do? Um. They had better pass protection, which means Missouri didn't get to get get much pressure with four, which they should be able to do. Um, Missouri was the more undisciplined team in a battle of undisciplined teams last week. They only had three, which is a season low. Uh, Kentucky had eleven, which was a season high. Same thing with these two teams. Very both are very bad in penalties. 
whoever is under plus undisciplined is going to lose. Um, Spencer Rattler has a, a pretty good day. If he if he's turning the ball over, I don't think there's any chance. And he has to be effective too. Can't be like even if Devin Leary didn't have the two interceptions, 120 passing yards is terrible. I'm not gonna lie to you. It's not good. You're not gonna beat you're not gonna beat a team of this caliber with 120 passing yards. So he's gonna have to be airing it out, being safe with the ball. Um and probably more poor tackling. That that's gonna kill any team, really. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think South Carolina because Missouri's offense has been pretty effective for about a month now. I think they'll score in the thirties. Like I, I expect that. So if South Carolina is going to win this game, I think it's going to take 35, 38 points. Yeah. And if that happens, I think it means Spencer Rattler threw for three fifty and three or four touchdowns you know I mean I think South Carolina's path to this game is Spencer Rattler is the SEC offensive player of the week um I just think Missouri has a lot more paths to again and and the other path to to a South Carolina is is real clear Missouri just doesn't play well and like that's possible but but if Missouri loses this game I think at the end of this game we're going to be going yo what happened Missouri you didn't that's on you that's your fault Right. And, and something I want to add again, this was something in the three things that may determine the game that I just thought was interesting is the game, the Gamecocks, uh, they spread the ball, all, spread the ball all around a lot. So there we go. Six players have recorded 10 or more reception. And of those six, five have a hundred receiving yards. There's like two players who have like nine receptions. One of them has 120 yards. And then they have 14 people who have caught a ball and all 14 have caught at least two passes. So I just think that's interesting that, Obviously, Xavier Leggett, I think that's how you pronounce it. But Leggett is far and away their most targeted and best receiver, but they'll give the ball to anybody. Like, they'll spread this ball around. There's Trey Knox. He's a really good tight end. And when you take Brock Bowers off the schedule, he may be the most talented tight end I can think of that they'll play. Trying to do off the top of my head, probably this season. He's a a really dynamic uh, receiving tight end who's – physical uh he can run very fast and he's got good hands so that'll be something the safeties and linebackers will have to watch out for yep all right guys uh appreciate you hanging out with us on a thursday morning we moved the uh moved the schedule a little bit to accommodate drew and actually also because uh later this afternoon i'm going over and uh doing an interview with desiree reed francois so i will have uh some stuff from that uh later today and and later on in the week for you guys kickoff 2:30 on saturday homecoming we will be there um ryan wingo officially next wednesday so again it's crossover season every single day man uh we'll we to 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 quote john rothstein you know we'll sleep in may uh so we're, we're counting down the days till may but appreciate you guys hanging out we'll talk to you next time